Hello, good morning everyone. So big shout out first of all to Fungi and Mushrooms for delivering the penicillin antibiotics which have helped me get through this sore throat I've had in record time. So big shout out to Fungi. Without you we would be lost and in a lot of pain. What are we going to talk about today? So in the Facebook groups I've been posting stuff about asking people to send in their calorie intake and uh, exercise activity and stuff like that putting it through the energy availability calculator to figure out wh- where they're at energy availability wise so energy availability is the energy you're eating and then the energy out through exercise research now is starting to say that that part of the equation is more important than the total calories burned and and, and um, eaten because not in terms of like fat loss, but like for, for performance and hormonal regulation, all this stuff. And really like getting into an energy availability zone of 25 and under is like the red zone. It's like clinical energy availability. You will have problems if you stay here for long. Then you've got subclinical levels, which are like 30 to 45, which most people will be in when they're in a the defi- deficit automatically. And then you've got the optimal energy availability zone which is pretty much where you're eating at maintenance or just below maintenance um, and not overdoing the exercise so the important thing here is if you are in a deficit and you are trying to lose weight um, and you are doing nine workouts a week you are going to burn out you're going to cause problems and disruptions in the body there is no doubt about it your energy availability will be in the red and i did some reviews of people's ones and every review i did all the energy availabilities were in the red zone and these were sometimes four, five, six workouts a week, right? If your goal is only fat loss and you're doing exercise because you think it's going to speed up your fat loss, stop doing all those exercise exercise classes. If you can do three workouts a week, strength training ideally, using weights resistance training, and you're in a deficit, you're still going to be in like the orange-yellow zone for energy availability, which means that you might see some stuff like energy will go down, your performance will go down, your strength's not going to go up after a while, you might notice this fatigue in general, you'll have um, adaptations hormonally, so in men, for example, testosterone levels start dropping, um, down and down and down, obviously has adverse effects, same thing for women, estrogen and stuff like that so you have these adaptations happen and you need to be careful that you're not overdoing the exercise for so long that this becomes your new normal and you feel really run down and you might have your cycle might be one phase of your cycle might be longer and the other one might shorten and it starts being starts seeing some changes and you start seeing these patterns happen when that's happening you know you've been in a low energy availability for too long and the solution to this is to go to maintenance. If any of you are listening and you are wanting to get a, a PB in your 10Ks, 5Ks, marathons, training, and you're coming to Turtle and you're saying, well, I'd love to lose weight at the same time, and I want to do all these runs, and I want to get a PB, and I want to do weightlifting, what we've said from the start is, and we've said this for years, is like reduce your training massively, focus on kind of one adaptation, so maybe strength training or running, and don't train every day and try and overdo the training as a form you think is good for you because it's not going to be good for you because you're already in a stressful state in a deficit, right? By definition, being in a deficit, you're not giving the body enough energy for it to do all its functions. It must use the fat storage, right? So it's got to go through that process of getting that energy available and stuff like that. So 
it's important, really, really important that you distinguish between fat loss and performance. You cannot optimize performance in fat loss unless you're in a very small deficit, which I showed in those videos. You can look at them in the, in the, in the Turtle Silver group. Okay, so when you are looking at your calendar for 2023, if you've got some races coming up, if you've got some runs you're going to be doing, you want to be going to maintenance for the for the training and up to the event. And if you don't want to do that and you want to go into fat loss and you still want to train and you don't care about performance, you want to get through it, I do advise that at least for two or three weeks before the event, you do go to maintenance and you give your body the chance to go back to baseline. Please do it because there's so much research coming out, 2019, 2020, um, about energy availability and how it impacts a lot of athletes and a lot of women. And you might say, well, I'm not an athlete, but it's like, some of you are training as many times or as many minutes a week as athletes are. You think athletes might train way more. Sometimes they tr they'll train maybe just a bit less or whatever, but it might be intense. Do you know what I mean? It's just because they're athletes, but they're noticing in athletes because they're really always monitoring their performance and they're monitoring everything about them. So they're really spotting them. And it'd be foolish to think just because it happens in athletes doesn't happen to us. Most of us are trying to train like athletes these days. A lot of us are doing that. We're training well, we're lifestyles. We're trying to be like super active and we're trying to optimize performance, stuff like that. And just because we're not at that level doesn't mean that uh, these things don't happen to us. So I wanted to mention that because I don't want to hear in a few months, ah, oh, turtle, give me the wrong macros. I crashed and burned. And it's like, if you're trying to optimize performance, go to maintenance. That's the advice. If you're going to go into a deficit, fat loss phase and trying to optimize performance and you don't and you're feeling lethargic and stuff you're not listening to this advice to go to maintenance that is why this is like a warning basically it's what's happening um second thing is so becky sweet you posted in the group about has anyone read this book uh, why we eat too much sounds like an interesting book and i asked her for a few main takeaways from her and what she actually asked me what i thought about the takeaways so the first thing she says is, um, that the book says is, keeping weight off long-term is more complicated than simply energy in versus energy out. I agree with that. It's about the types of food we eat and the country we live in as to what food is more available. This is why there is higher obesity in West, the UK and US, but countries with high fat diets such as France are lower on the obesity scale overall. Um, I say that's cherry-picking data by the author, in all honesty, because whilst the UK and US are higher than France, in obesity rates the highest obesity rate countries are the pacific islands and the pacific islands and you look at the research into those uh the way the reason why they're so much higher is like a lot of low quality high fat products spam low quality beef low quality stuff like that's entered the market and also foods high in sugar of course but really it's the combination of both but what they they looked at from that data was that the high fat diets with cheap high fat foods was one of the main causes of this like massive amounts of energy available for them to consume. So yeah, I mean you can find France as in higher fat than the lower than the UK and US, but then the ones at the top are also higher in fat as well. I think keeping weight off long term, the complication with it is that we think that it's just numbers, but we're using the calories as a measurement of energy, and we're thinking about, we've lost weight now, now what? And it's really about emotional regulation, mindfulness, which is to be in tune with your body, and your body in tune with your mind. They're both working together. You're understanding where your cravings are coming from. You're understanding the hunger cues. You're understanding the hunger signals. You're understanding thirst signals. You're understanding 
kind of where your body can go, push, you're understanding anxiety about stuff, you're understanding stress and boredom eating, you're really seeing the inner workings of the body and the brain and how they are trying to get this output, which is this like emotional or stress eating or like boredom eating, which a lot of people are saying is a problem for them in the poll I did. If we don't manage that and have a steady ship there, it's going to be very hard to, to maintain a lifestyle where we're not gorging and and boredom eating and binge eating a lifestyle that does that tends to be a lifestyle of someone with a higher body weight because your calorie intake is going to be higher because those binges and those boredom eating all adds up to eventually that you're going to be gaining a lot of weight and you're going to go back to this lifestyle of x weight low steps low activity high eating boredom eating snacking equals x kind of weight for that person which is usually overweight or obese eventually so yeah you really have to understand yourself uh, to keep the weight off and understand your triggers and cues and really that is why you've got to be objective you have to be able to be mindful and look scan your body and your mind without judging it to understand it second point she says in the book is that fat should be rebranded as vitality and embraced anything branded as low fat usually means high sugar which contributes to high weight set point so go for the high fat options as it will help with weight management in the long term. Um, the set point theory is interesting. I think like th- set point theory really, if you look at what people's set points are, if someone's got a higher set point, which is like a higher weight, it's, tip- it's usually that the lifestyle of that area they're living in has a higher weight as an average just because of the lifestyle. It's like n- not active. The people there around are just eating nonsense foods and stuff like that, high-calorie stuff, eat out a lot, all that stuff. And then if you were to put that person and, and put them in uh, LA into the into the hills and hiking or Utah or whatever, those big mountainous ranges, and if you look at the maps of America, you'll see that the people, the obesity rates in the flatlands... Uh, town cities where it's flat and it's like just kind of like a lot of driving uh, and outdoor hiking isn't a thing the obesity rates are much higher there than they are in the mountainous regions so people in the mountainous regions are more likely to be walkers and hikers and have a better lifestyle so their set point is going to be lower as in their weight is going to be lower but their maintenance is higher so we can see set point and maintenance kind of in a relationship here where your maintenance will be higher if you live in an area that is more active that the lifestyle is generally more calories are burned during that lifestyle and actually as well the eating habits of that area is better and the people you're around are better i think that's really the main impact i think you can think of it biologically there might be something where like that we know the body doesn't really want to gain weight or lose weight it wants to stay in balance like we know the body doesn't like all our change but we know that usually gaining weight over time is a process over time. It don't really gain weight very, very fast, apart from yo-yos, but eventually it's kind of a slow and steady accumulation. But it's more lifestyle, I would say, than saying that like, you're eating more sugar, so therefore your set points higher. It's a correlation, like the observational studies are saying. These people consume a lot of sugar, so sugar's a problem, and actually look into it. The foods they're eating are high in sugar, high in fat, high in calories. Their their lifestyles are terrible. They don't move. So obviously the outcome is that. It's not just the sugar that's the problem. Um, omega-6 and insulin are the main contributors to a weight set point being high. 
Uh, insulin gets in the way of our brain being able to receive leptin hormones, which is why it contributes to a higher weight point. So avoiding sugar without demonizing or fearing it is wise. I don't think avoiding sugar is wise because fruit is sugar. I mean, if you said avoiding added sugars, well, then we might be agreeing. I'm speaking here as, in, as if to the author. Like, obviously, sugar, fruit is sugar, Right? Complex carbs break it down into simple sugars. Added sugars we should keep, stay away from. We don't add the sugars, but I eat a lot of fruit. My sugar intake is high every day. Um, and the main thing behind between leptin uh, signaling is like body fat percentage. If you're the more body fat you have, the the blunt the blunter the signal of leptin. So like you're not sig- you're signaling hey I've eaten, but it's not working as as well. So your brain's not really saying that you're full. So you keep eating more. Right, and this, and when you accumulate more body fat, this happens. And then when you accumulate more body fat, your satiety response is worse. So you eat more, and because you eat more, you move less. And because you move less, your um, your appetite regulation system starts dysfunctioning, where you are hungrier than you should be, and that plays into it. And it's a kind of a triple threat there, right? And I think this all comes on lifestyle. Like you can can blame omega six, you can say the insulin or whatever, but they're not the they're not the the causes they're just like the byproducts like we, we if you look at the cause it's the causes the the lifestyle of these people in eating high fats high sugars low exercise yes they're gonna have a higher set point which is a higher weight their weight is gonna be higher and they're gonna be holding on to that weight because their their maintenance is like your maintenance should increase as you weigh more as well, not doesn't decrease. Your maintenance, your the energy you need every day will go up the more you weigh because there's more weight to carry about, you eat more food. To bring your maintenance down, you need to you you want to lose weight mainly is the one of the main causes of bringing your maintenance down. Um or your total daily energy expenditure. Like the 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 if you stop moving that will drop. Um but we want to keep our maintenance as high as possible once we're losing weight. Does that make sense? I think we should. We should. They used to blame saturated fat in observational studies, and then realized, oh, yeah, it's not saturated fat that's a problem. It's actually that the person eating saturated fat, they're also eating like full English breakfast or like greasy breakfasts, and they don't move much, and they got high calorie lunches and snacks. It was like the lifestyle that's a problem. It's always the lifestyle, the total, the totality of stuff. If we think of it this way, it's a lot easier to look at because we don't demonize this and that. If you've got your weight managed and your weight is in a good range for your height, your activity is decent, you're doing some exercise, that is the golden eggs. Those are the golden eggs. You can, If you do those things and your weight comes down to an, into a healthy range for you, you don't have to overanalyze stuff. You know, that's your new, That's your new normal. That's your new lifestyle. That lifestyle equals X maintenance level or X energy total daily energy expenditure right so you're able to eat this amount of foods do this amount of activity it all balances out you're retaining your weight happy days um avoid vegetable oils high in omega-6 again this has been debunked in um randomized control trials as well um people blame omega-6 and the vegetable oils but in randomized controlled trials, vegetable oils have actually been shown to improve people's health and um, inflammation markers and stuff. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one with omega-6 because we want the omega-3s. Um, 
Omega-6, on the other hand, is being blamed for a lot. Let me just get the um, research out whilst I'm on here, just so we can cover it. It's not coming up. Um, I'll recite. I'll do. I'll do. I'll do a podcast on uh, fats, actually, specific. Um, and then the other one: focus on healthy habits, knowing what foods are good for us long term, rather than calorie counting and weighing. Um, of course, focus healthy habits. Again, it's a lifestyle. Focus on your lifestyle. Things fall into place. Um, and again, I don't I just don't know why people throw shade at calorie counting and weighing. It's like part part of a healthy lifestyle is understanding the energy you are putting into your body. Part of looking after a car is to know how much oil to put in it, how much how much petrol that it can take. Part of looking after a plane and stuff is to know that you the much fuel that you have to go and put in with and optimal fuel in for a flight and all this stuff. Like we do it every other part of our lives, understand the ins and outs. But when it comes to our own energy for our body, we're throwing away a very valuable tool that can help us evaluate a, a healthy lifestyle for us. Like if I can use calories to measure the energy put in my body for enough time and get become second nature i do not need to count calories in the sense of using an app but i can eyeball things but i'm still eyeballing energy i'm still i'm now much better at eyeballing energy because i know that's x amount of calories say so my my skills of energy awareness is amazing and that's going to be very helpful for me in the long run for my lifestyle and weighing stuff, of course, not. I don't think I don't think any of us are going to weigh stuff for the rest of our lives. But you must go through the process of weighing stuff to learn. How else can you know? How else can you eyeball, understand portion sizes, and real what's filling, what's worth it? Like I look at, you look at like five hundred grams of melon, for example. It's like one hundred and forty calories or something. Like to know that information, you have to know the calories and all that. And then you look at a Mars bar and it's like 250 calories. You put them both side by side and you're like, that's nearly double that. But look at the volume of the melon versus the Mars bar, right? The only reason we've known the energy differences is because we've measured it and we can look at it and go, wow, this one's got way more volume than that. And it's a very useful um, comparison to make and a very, a very useful insight to have. And imagine you started having insights about all sorts of food this way knowing what a real medium glass of wine looks like, knowing what a tablespoon of oil looks like without the, the spoon measurement, knowing what like certain amount of milk is, just off the top of your head. That is phenomenal skills, phenomenal energy awareness. This energy awareness, in the end, is going to be everything for us. And you have to match the energy awareness of knowing the outside world because, unfortunately, the foods that we can eat now are deceivingly dense in calories. So we're not used to being like knowing, well, that little Mars bar's got 250 calories. In the natural world, finding something in that size for 250 calories might be difficult, right? So we managed to produce it, process it into that. So we need to have the information of, wait now, I know that looks small. And I know that Greg's pasty looks quite small and lush, but I know it's about six hundred and fifty calories. And that's gonna be that's gonna have that's that knowledge has to be acquired and you have to learn and you have to test out. So I think we all should go through that learning process because in the end, when we don't want to track and we can just go free free freestyle, we really can still do the quick maths in our head and let the brain do all the work that we've trained it to do. I think that'll be a beautiful place to be. And that's not um you know focusing on anything bad it's just part of the process of i think 
looking at what a healthy lifestyle is. And what a healthy lifestyle is to us is one where we need to focus on energy. Like I said at the start of this podcast about energy availability. Like very, very important topic. Very, very important thing to understand. Without counting energy in, calories and calories burned and all this stuff, we wouldn't know where we are with energy availability and then we wouldn't know what to do. Oh, why is this all happening? I'm eating healthy. Well, you're not eating enough calories. Oh yeah, but I'm eating good foods. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You're 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 consuming so little calories, and your and your exercise is so high, your energy availability is in the red, causing loads of these health problems for you. We need to get your energy up. You need to get your calories up. You need to eat more carbs or whatever. Without that tool, with that that analysis and that help, wouldn't be possible. A very very useful tool. But um, definitely gonna read that book because it sounds interesting. I think. It's, the title is brilliant. Why we eat too much? Like that. That if we could answer that question, why do we always eat too much? Is it would be amazing to know the ins and outs of why we're always eating too much. But we've been doing this for thousands of years. Don't be fooled by thinking we've only been doing it since we've had the food we have, the processed foods. The rich people of Europe and the royalty, all of them got fat, and they were eating a lot of food, and they weren't having. There was no processed foods back then. Really, it was all unprocessed foods. Um, or mostly unprocessed foods so they were able to do it back then and it was a problem because a lot of books read about it there's a lot of talks about it so it's been a problem for a while once humans have the uh, access to enough food we will eat too much that's really it because we're not mindful we're not practicing mindfulness day to day we act like animals when we should be rational but that's a topic for another day but I'll see you next week for the podcast um yeah take the weekend you know i think this is the blue monday week so you got through the worst week of the year apparently um payday soon for people is it next uh, 10 days another week or so and then we're into feb and then in march we got octagon three which i'll talk more about which is one of the best challenges we do and i'll be in march the 6th i think it starts so i'll be talking more about that but until then keep going keep building your habits don't try and do everything at once um and if you are feeling really behind right now you haven't done anything, you're feeling, oh my God, it's coming to the end of Jan, I've not done anything to my health. All you want to just do one task today. Just go, please go and do 8,000 steps. Just go for a long walk, 8,000 steps, and then go, boom, done. That's 8,000 steps. That's it feels great. That's kind of what, what I want my lifestyle to be in the future, is to have this amount of steps. Just do that. If you've got your steps covered and you haven't got your macros covered, make today a day where you do track everything. If you are tracking everything and you're going over, make this a day where you're really mindful about when you're going over, why, and can you limit your portion sizes today? Can you just not have that one extra snack today? If you haven't trained in ages, do something today. Train. Just say, I'm going to do a 15-minute workout. That's it. I'm going to do the exercise that I love, any exercise. I'm just going to go in and do it. And that's it. Just start doing something and the momentum, <laughs> the momentum will build. And that's important. I've got a lot of momentum in my training. and now not training like feeling on top of my training and health even though I've been ill I've still been in, still did things before my illness and it was going in the right direction managed to not eat like an idiot and coming out of it now I feel on top of things which is great and this momentum is helping but yep see you next uh, Monday